0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you this morning for our time together. Thank you that we celebrate the King of Kings in this house and that you are worthy of all honor. You're worthy of all praise and glory. And today, Lord, we want to line up with your purpose in our lives. Nothing is more important than to serve the king of kings. Nothing is more important than to be found in alignment with our calling and purpose here upon the earth. Holy Spirit, transform us and lead us from glory to glory. Fill the earth with the Lord's glory, with the character, attributes, and goodness of an awesome God. Everything else that's going on upon the earth, the darkness that is filling the earth, is the result of man walking away from god's glory walking away from god's assignment Uh, the last days would be perilous times because men would be lovers of self they would be selfish they don't have god on their agenda and their agenda has no god we pray O god that today the voice of your spirit and the voice of the word the written word would be a lamp unto our feet a light unto our path that which awakens us out of a stupor of convenience and comfort and that we will, might be passionate and f- faithful servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, that men might know us as those who are stewards of the charge entrusted to us by our God. We pray that our families would have the blessing of the legacy of being members of the household that served the Lord. Prosper us today as we listen to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. and amen. amen. A lot of people don't know the essence of what our makeup is. Ephesians 2.10 tells us what our, uh, it's beautiful how it says it in Spanish. Uh, Somos hechura. We are the work of God's hands. That's what the Bible says here. We are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, for things that are huge and way beyond our capacity to understand. Listen, had I not come to Jesus Christ, I would have been working for Eastern Airlines, which went out of business, so I'd still be at the airport uh, towing around a lot of baggage, my own and others also. Waking up to obedience to God Waking up to listening to the voice of the Lord, I was telling the men that to tune in your voice to the voice of God allows you to be able to um, walk in in a expression that is glorious, glorious the word glory means to express uh, the the works of God and the angels in heaven. So that are near the throne of God, they say, holy, holy is the Lord. Um, the whole earth is full of his glory. And, and when they're saying this, I, I would read that verse for a long time and say, I don't see the earth full of the glory of God. And you know why? Because I wasn't seen like God sees. God says wherever he created man to walk In his good works that are prepared before the the foundations prepared beforehand, that we should walk in those those things prepared, good works. And if each man is influenced to go in the direction to become a servant of the Lord, the the expression of glory is the result. Um, The word Ichabod in the Bible means the glory has left, there's no glory. And and in a lot of places, the glory is not present. Man is filled with a lot of assignments not given to them by God. Uh, we tend to flourish in areas that God never told us to flourish in. We become um, we become uh, experienced in a lot of realms where we say, "Look what I'm! Look what I've accomplished! Look what I'm! This, this is my game plan! This is what I'm!" And, and the truth is that that's the glory of man, but not the glory of God. Romans 3 um, verse 23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Each one has walked his own ways. Each one has has listened to his, another voice that's not the voice of God. And so I can tell why the angels say the whole earth is filled with his glory because the assignment of God is that in the life of every an individual, every man, there was an expression of listening to the voice of God and doing what he called them to do. Listen, when God called us to change the world, people began to laugh at us. Change the, change the world? How do you change the world? You, you listen to God. You follow God. You obey God. You, some of you um, still have not been water baptized. You're 40 years old. You're 20 years old. And and still, the Bible says, so that you believe and are baptized, you shall be saved. And we got baptized and then we believed. We did it backwards. Uh, They baptized me when I was eight weeks old, I didn't know anything much less that I believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But the devil is twisting up man, continually twisting man's life so that the glory of God is absent. And that's what the word sin means. It means you miss the bullseye. Let's put that verse up there, Romans 3.23. This is, this is awesome too because all of us have sinned. Every, that's why the majority of men are out of order. That's what the verse we read this morning in Titus 1.10. It says, many men are out of order. They talk a lot. They deceive a lot. They have an appearance, especially if they're religious. They carry a Bible. Everything's okay because I go to church and I carry a Bible. No, you're just a facade. You're not a servant of the Lord. You don't obey God. You're not expressing the glory. You've fallen short. You're not leaving a legacy of blessing to your children. And so in, in that paradigm um, where God calls every man by, by you know, as the devil likes to manipulate and get himself into women too. Um, don't think for a second that because we are ministering to men, that doesn't include you because you are. The Bible says a woman is the glory of man. You become the reflection of. Of an incredible expression of goodness. When your man takes his place. That light shines upon you. Then you become the reflection of glory. Uh, A a man who walks right. Leaves uh, an incredible expression of God's goodness on his wife. That's amazing. uh, One of the examples that we hear about often. Is the life of, uh, of Elvis Presley. The people that bought his records, 250 million sold records, 33 movies in his lifetime. He dies at 42. His first wife says he never found the purpose of God. He never lived what God intended him to live. He had a huge expression of the glory of this world and zero expression of the glory of God. He never got to see his grandchildren. He never got to see his daughter get married. He didn't leave a legacy of blessing and peace and true prosperity. And so God has given us giftings and talents and abilities and all these for one purpose, so that you might serve God. For the, you use your giftings and your abilities, your talents. Listen, uh, when I come to the Lord and the Lord tells me things which I have not seen. 1 Corinthians two nine. This is the first verse that I heard coming into the house of God when I was 16 years old. I'd, no one had ever told me that before. That God had prepared things, these good works, were for those who loved him, for those who served them, for those who come near to him, things eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor have they entered the heart of man. They're not even part of his dreams. The things God has prepared for those who love him. Can you ask the Lord today in this message to tap in to his purpose for your life? Not your thoughts. Not your Pursuits, Lord. When I see this, I see Israel subjected to Pharaoh, enslaved and oppressed, captive away from the land which flowed with milk and honey. A place that took a week and a half to get to. If they would have grabbed their belongings and begin to walk directly into the purpose and the will of God, it would have taken them 12 to 13 days, less than two weeks. They would have got to a place that God had for them with the inventory of heaven to make them the greatest kingdom upon the earth. He says, I have houses that you did not build. I have cattle which you did not raise. I have vineyards that you did not have planted. I have wellsprings that you did not dig. I have an expression of existence in a lifetime. Elvis Presley lived 42 years. You're not going to live much longer than that. So you don't have time to waste. You don't, you don't have time to be occupied in things that are going to diminish and deplete Open heavens over your life. First and foremost, to hear God's voice. And and some of you are hearing today, you're hearing this word. Others of you might be distracted. You're worried about what's going to happen later on today. And you're missing out God extending his hand towards you. Job 10 verse 8 says that it was God's hand who formed us. He shaped us to put all types. He says, your hands have made me and fashioned me. This is, where, um, this is where you can dialogue with God. You can say, God, you're the one that put me into existence. Let me tell you something. Every human body started with one cell. And right now as an adult, you might have 10 billion cells. That's, that's the entire average component of a human adult body. 10 billion cells are all put together. If you don't say that's fascinating, I don't know what more is fascinating. And this body that God has given you, he's fashioned you, and you can really pray, Lord, fulfill your purpose with me having been created. I don't want to be diverted. I don't want to be diminished. I don't want to be disconnected. With what you want in my life, I want. I, Jesus says, "Behold, you have prepared for me a body. I have come to do your will." It's a wholly different paradigm than what Elvis Presley and a lot of other people live. They're not connected to God. They don't understand that they they are spiritually gifted. They have a talent. They have special personality. They have a. Just everyone is different in a manner that's really amazing. It's amazing that we're all sitting here this morning. And what would be the expression of all getting on God's game plan? Because he doesn't put a baseball team together that's not going to win. He doesn't put people on a team that's going to fall short of the purpose he has for us in our lifetime. And so we'll see this that God puts us uh, to be able to follow him. This is the process of getting to that place is called discipleship. You don't get to the place where you hear and you know and you walk in the will of God until you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so you don't become a disciple until you're discipled. And you don't become a disciple when you're rebellious, when you're full of yourself. In fact, he gave us a cross, and that's the first invitation he gives us. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Take up the cross, deny yourself, and follow me. And then we start that life, I've been on it for 32 years, where there's a great sector of my existence to say goodbye to my friends. I have one of my friends here, he'll tell you that when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, it took a while, but I was Bye-bye, see you later, sayonara. If I'm going to do the will of God, I cannot be pleasing men. This is what, what Paul says here. I want to find that verse very quickly. Because he says, if I was ever going to do the will of God, Galatians 1.9. Galatians 1.9. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is telling you any other type of gospel then that which you are receiving let him be a curse have you ever heard a gospel that says god has come into your life to give you all the things you want well how does that line up with denying yourself and saying not my will thine be done something has to be something has to be wrong here is the gospel is deny yourself Not my will, thine be done. Or if the gospel is, God, look at all these things that I want. Look at all these things I want to pursue. No. He says, let those who preach another gospel be cursed. Why? Verse 10. Because if we're out to please men, we cannot please the Lord who called us. For do I now persuade men or God... Do do I I, I want to follow God or men? Do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would never be close to being a servant of the Lord. I would never be able to be on God's game plan. So that, you know, we all know because Jesus says it so many times, you can't serve two masters. Can't serve two masters. They have two different agendas for your life. Who are you going to serve? I want to tell you something, that if you serve anything but God, you'll never be free. You'll never find your purpose in existence. We see that Elvis Presley, in his pursuit, was bondage to destruction. Even after his death, he continues to be paid higher than any other artist. Thirty years later, his royalties and his... his, uh, commissions for all that he did while he was alive continue to pay him money but if you look at his legacy is destruction his family is destroyed his wife destroyed i want to encourage you today that god is seeing you trapped in your and this is this is real what i'm going to say now that, that you're trapped and in your inability to Run for God with all you have. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, he says, Surely I have seen my people who are captive. Because of all their taskmasters, I know their sorrows. God sees us trapped in a place where we can't serve God fully. Uh, Even even this process of discipleship. Uh, Discipleship starts on Friday. Friday. We start discipleship on Friday. You know who's going to be there? Those who want to pursue God. You know who's not going to be there? Those that are still prisoners to other masters. They're stuck. God has the provisions of glory. God has the provisions of a promised land. God has the heavens bestowed. We're his workmanship, but we're stuck. We, We can't even lead our families. In our church, our church is famous for this. Ready? This is how our church is famous. Our church is famous for children leading their parents. Isn't that crazy? That a son would say, hey, dad, you think that we could go to church together? Hey, dad, why don't we go worship Jesus and go find the will of God for our family so that we might be blessed from heaven And so there's plenty of children in our church who have brought their parents, and I want to say like this, reluctantly. Their parents have no pursuit for the glory of God. They have no pursuit for the purposes of God. They don't want to inherit the harvest. They're they're under, look what God says, I know their sorrow. What's the sorrow? Why would you be stuck when God wants to make you free? Why would you be serving other gods and not serving the one true God? Why is he not a priority in your schedule? Verse 8 says, so I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of these people that have them enslaved um, to bring them up from that land to a good large land, a land flowing with milk and honey to a place where there are the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pesarites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, all the ites. All the people that are telling you, you better not come here. They're threatening you, your existence and your livelihood. You're fearful to take a step in that direction. God doesn't have provision for me in that land. And God is saying, I want to deliver them from being stuck. I want to take them out of that land and bring them to a good land. Um, Look, listen. To be an unbeliever... How many know an unbeliever? They don't believe God exists, right? That's that's a horrible state. That's a foolish state, the Bible says. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. So from going to know God to I believe there's a God is a great step. To believe in God is great li- liberty and peace. So now we believe in God. But this process of believing in God to go through discipleship So we learn how to be obedient because you can't be a servant of the Lord without obedience. And the call of God upon our lives is to serve the Lord. And when we believe in the Lord, you believe. You even come to church. You have a Bible. You say Jesus is your Savior, he saved you from your sins. That's glorious. But he wants to disciple you so that you could be a servant of the Lord. In other words, so that he could entrust upon you a greater charge of responsibility for you to be faithful. And this is what he's saying I I want to take you out of serving Satan to serving the Lord. Verse 9, now therefore behold the cry, Exodus 3, verse 9. I think that this is what is a requisite in college. Before you go to the main main, uh, study sessions, you have to take the required credits. He says, this is required. Now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel has come up to me. And I have also seen their oppression with which they're being oppressed. Verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you might bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Listen, this state of knowing that God exists and crying out to him will give you the opportunity to to just break everything that's holding you back from becoming the servant of the Lord to do the will of God, and that's what he wants for us, and and, and there's nothing sadder for a pastor than to see someone who is stuck, who is stuck. 2 Timothy 2.21, uh, Paul says the process of discipleship is if anyone cleanses himself. Let's go to verse 20. In a great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. So to be a servant of the Lord, you, you can serve at one capacity, um, clay, wood, silver, or gold. What, what what prototype or form of servant are you going to be? Are you going to be something that shatters quickly, that cannot be used like clay Will you be like wood when when difficulty comes, the fire burns it up, and you no longer serve the Lord? Will you be like silver when troubles come and fire comes, it gets more pure? Or like gold, what type of vessel, what type of servant will you be? He says some will be servants for honor, and some will be servants for dishonor. Verse 21 says, if you clean yourself up from dishonor, if anyone clean, cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, set apart, God puts you apart, and useful for the master and ready for every good work. So I'm not a believer, somebody, Jesus sent somebody, I believe in Jesus now, I accept the Lord, he's my Savior, he's my Lord. Now... Man, how do I go through this process, this hardship to be discipled so that I am a servant of the Lord? Does everybody serve the Lord? No. He says in Psalm 101, uh, I think it's verse, let's read that. Psalm 101, verse 6. I'm looking for faithful servants. Who knows what a faithful servant is? One who doesn't miss. He says, my eyes will be on faithful men that he might dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. We have a generation of Christians who say, the way I try, God doesn't. Listen, nobody hires an unfaithful servant. You give him the key. You say, open Monday at nine. He doesn't show up. Go to lunch for an hour. He goes for Three. I'll see you there Friday at discipleship class. Five years go by, and I don't have time to be discipled. And I call myself a servant of the Lord. He says, no, those who will serve me in a perfect way, they shall serve me. Um, I don't know who the Yankees take on to play baseball, but I'm sure that they are experts. I don't know who is hired down at the hospital as a surgeon, but I'm sure the guy has a perfect way about him. I don't know who they hire to do cameras when they do a commercial, but I, I guarantee they don't miss work. So the Lord also in, in this in this crazy world that we're living in. Uh, the other day we were singing a song here at church, and it, it even happens in the church. Ready? It seeped in like this. Lord, I have nothing to offer you. I'm just a I'm just a wasted cause. Everything I do, I do wrong. How could I ever do anything? And it's a fatalistic. Imagine getting married to a woman and she says, you know something, I don't know how to clean. I don't know how to cook. I I don't know how to even take a shower. I just don't know how to make up. I don't know how to comb my hair. And and she's, ah! Run for the hills! You're not going to marry a woman like that who who presents herself as unfit. She's going to say, I lay, I'm lazy and I have a lot of gas. Oh, you're the one, baby. You're the one I pick. No, we don't. And guess what? Jesus doesn't either. Jesus doesn't pick a bunch of misfits. There, there's a friend of mine who's a Christian. His, con, his annual conference for Christians is the Misfit Conference. Really? There's nothing misfit about this. This, this produces excellence. The excellence of wisdom. The Bible says that we're to shine as we serve the Lord with perfection, with excellence. Uh, they, they, one of the, the musicians here, he says, you know something? Mark Anthony is looking for a trumpet player. And I said, listen, you go tell Mark Anthony that the best trumpet player in the earth belongs to Jesus. And if he wants a trumpet player, he'll get a trumpet player. Because he, the excellence of his gifting allows him to glorify God. So now they're, they're going to give him trumpets. The, you know, like they give you the stuff. If you're a tennis player, they give you a tennis racket. If you're a trumpet player, they, they make trumpets for you. They want you to use their trumpet. And he's going to put right on his trumpet there with Mark Anthony, trumpet of Jesus. That's right. Trumpet of Jesus. So that the whole world will see the glory of God. With a faithful man who does his gifting, his talent, his ability, the grace of God upon his life, glorifies Jesus. That's what, that's what serving the Lord does. It glorifies the Lord. Where are all the servants of the Lord? You're supposed to say amen right there. Amen. You're not. You're not. We're trying to. We want to. We want to get to that place. God sees our anguish. He sees us, our captivity. He formed us and fashioned us. He wants us to be like Jesus. Jesus said these words. He said, Matthew 20, 28, follow the attitude that was in me, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve so that many lives would be rescued. When we serve the Lord with excellence, I want to tell you something. We're a small church, but we serve with excellence. We're a small church. By, By the numbers, small. But our excellence is up there at the top. At the top of faithfulness to Jesus. And so that's why people regard us and say, shh, let them tell us. We want to hear. And then they tell me, your son's more excellent than you. You shut up. Let me listen to your son. We see we see God's faithfulness in those that are willing, and this is what uh, this is what Nick said. Nick said at this conference, he says, "You know something, I'm going to do everything in my strength to honor my dad." Amen. Who is saying that today? Nobody, nobody says that. But when you say that, you're lining yourself up with the God of heaven, and then the glory of God is seen and shines bright. And if you tell your friends, I had somebody say, well, they're giving me a job on Sunday. I said, listen, tell those people that Sunday is your day to honor your king. And there's nothing on the earth that will drive you to serve anybody or anything else. And that'll freak people out. It'll, it'll impress people that you do have God in your life, that you're not coming to be served, but to serve. Romans 12, 11, this book will get you in shape to serve. He says, make sure that your service is not with laziness. How many know lazy people? Absolutely. That's the nature of sin. I went by the, the, the garden, the vineyard of a lazy man. And the thorns had taken over, and the weeds were crashing it. He says, not lazy, but diligent, so filled with the Spirit of God that you're serving the Lord. How could you be kept from serving the Lord? you, You must be serving someone else. Joshua said like this. He says, look, if it seems to you, Joshua 24, 15, If it seems to you that serving the Lord is a bad thing, you can't get around to it. Somebody else, listen, the the most saddest thing in the world. Gary, how many times have you called me to come and serve God? How how long have you been here? You've never called me to serve the Lord? never called me. I would be ashamed if this man had to call me to serve my God. Hey, you know you were on the calendar this week? Hey, you know you missed the day that you serve the Lord? Hey, you know you're not even on the calendar. Nobody in church knows you serve the Lord. You do nothing for God. There is, there is such incredible opportunity to serve God. We have the children ministry. We have the youth ministry. We have the adults ministry. We have the men's ministry. We have the women's ministry. We have the world ministry. We're serving. What we did in North Carolina is serve the North Carolina churches. Strengthened them. Made them strong. Gave them resources. We're serving God all out. Uh, one lazy man here at the church says, Pastor, after church, you never call anybody to Jesus. I said, well, why don't you call them? Why don't you stick around after church and meet all the new people and get their numbers And serve. One man says, Pastor, this was early on when we were starting out as a church. Nobody is shaking people's hand as they get to church. I said, you shake their hand. You sit here and serve Jesus. Serve the Lord. Get on task. Get on schedule. Get on assignment. Don't let anybody hold you back. Go through discipleship. Be the first one here. Be the last one to leave. Don't let anybody steal your opportunity to get heavens to open up over you. God says that when, when a man has his attitude, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, you think it's boring, you think it's, it's dumb, you think it's, it's, it's ancient, antique, choose for yourselves this day where you're going to occupy your service, whom you'll serve. Are you going to serve those demons your parents served? Are you going to serve the world and its fads and fashions? He says, listen, I don't know what you're going to do, but as for me and my house, every single member of my house is going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. We're motivated. We're excited. The devil wants to keep us captive. The devil wants to keep us away from being servants of the Lord. They know us as anything else but servants of God. God wants you to stop being lazy, to be fervent, to serve the Lord. 1 Peter 4.10 says, if you've received something from God, and guess what? I'm here to tell you, you're gifted. God has things for you. If each one has received a gift, and you know something? The devil told you you don't have a gift. You say, devil, you're a liar. I'm gifted. God has given me a lot of things I could share. If each one has received, serve it to one another. The word minister means servant. Minister it, serve it, be generous, be a good steward of his many fold expressions of his grace that's upon your life. Verse 11, he says, Each one, if one speaks, speak like God would speak to somebody. If anyone ministers and serves, let him do it with the ability God supplies. Talents, giftings, abilities that God has supplied that in all things God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom belong the glory and the dominion forever. Listen, this part, I need to highlight this. At the end of this verse, it says, to whom belong the glory. Do you see an arrow going to God with respect to if anyone ministers, let him do it. He says, serve in the capacity you have because the glory belongs to the God. The, the arrow is not going from us to God with regards to glory. It's God showers us with his glory when we serve him. Amen. To him belong all the glory. Amen. To him belongs the glory and for the dominion forever and ever. He wants to bestow something upon our life that wouldn't otherwise express itself until we serve the Lord. Psalm seventy two eleven. You say, Well, I wasn't called to serve God. I was called to something else. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Servanthood comes from the kingdom of God. And it says, All kings shall fall down before him so that all nations will walk in service to him. We're the expression of if we serve God, the glory comes down, it's the brilliant perfection of his goodness. And everybody's going to want to serve the Lord. Why? Because they see that our houses are blessed, our finances are prosperous, our affairs are healed. When you talk to people today that have decided not to serve the Lord, their families are broken, their children are frustrated, they're captive to vice, they're distant in lewdness and craziness. They're serving demon spirits. Zephaniah 3.9 says like this, I will restore to the people a pure language. What is a pure language? Love. And how does that happen? It happens when you serve the Lord. God heals you. I will restore the people's pure language that they might all call on the name of the Lord so they might serve him with one accord. If God puts this thing together, my friends, this is going to have an explosion that's going to be heard in the whole world. It's going to have such a power that people are going to say, sir, they've discovered the true atomic bomb. They have discovered that those people that learn the pure language of the Lord so they could call upon the Lord to serve him, they become united. There's a unity about it that is supernatural. Supernatural. I can't wait to see the the fruition, the fruit of what's been sowed in this house for so many years. I, I can't wait, and and this is what I was I was closing out this weekend. I I, I had told the church, if if you are, if if you went from non-believer to believer, and you're processing the fact that you want to become a servant of the Lord, you got to go through discipleship. I, I want to tell you. That, that being serious about midweek Bible study, about the discipleship class that goes on on Friday, we're going to start now, that, that you be faithful. Here is the promise, Psalm 123, 2. Lord, just like a servant is able to look at the hand of his master. Somebody said, Pastor, when you were saying this verse the, the other day, it was almost like, you know, in baseball, when when they're giving a sign, a pitcher to a catcher. The catcher goes, number two, means curveball. Number three, slider. Number one, fastball, inside. He's giving all these. A guy gives his signals with his hands. And you're blind as a bat. The Lord is saying and pointing the direction you should go. And you're like. And the Lord is. The Lord is directing your steps, and you're saying, I'm not going to go in that way. I'm not, I'm not going to put God first. I'm not, not going to sell out. I'm scared. I'd rather stay here with Pharaoh building bricks, building pyramids like Elvis Presley, the glory of this world that means nothing, and time is passing by. Lord, give me the eyes of a servant. Let my focus be upon his, the hand of a master, like the eyes of a maid who is attending to the hand of her mistress. So our eyes look to the Lord, our God, until he brings about his purpose in our lives, his mercy. How do we get there, people? I want to tell you that if you're blind, you can't look at the hand of your master. So you have to cry out, Lord, take away my blindness. You know what blinds a man? Uh, There was a man in my life that he kept on being stolen and stolen and stolen and stolen and stolen. and stolen. And, And I asked God, why does this man keep on getting ripped off? I don't understand that. And you know what God told me? His greed. He's so greedy that his greed blinded him to being ransacked. His desire for more did not give him an ability to see that the devil was about to take him out. And so a lot of people don't see this, what we're talking about today. I pray that the Holy Spirit would open the eyes. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 1.18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding might be opened. I pray that you have the eyes of a servant that looks on the hand of the master. I pray that the eyes of your understandings are enlightened, that you might know what the hope of his calling is and the riches, the wealth of the glory of the inheritance of God. For who? For the servants of the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for calling us and that this calling would not be void. Bible says that the calling of the Lord is without reproach. It's irrevocable. He doesn't stop calling. The gifting of the Lord is irrevocable. We continue with the gifts to be able to be excellent servants of God. But now we're captive in our selfishness, in our affairs, under our taskmasters, We have so many assignments on our plate that we don't find the time and the opportunity to serve you with gladness. I pray that this word might set us free. You said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Father, where there's darkness, I pray that your light shines. Where there's disobedience, I pray that obedience becomes the powerful source of our victory and prosperity. For you say that obedience is better than sacrifice we pray that this church would be a church not only that captures the heart of unbelievers so that they might believe but that captures the heart of believers so that they might be disciples and become true servants of the lord that there would be nothing more important in our lives than to serve you with gladness for the abundance of your mercy and resources in all good things Give us the courage, give us the strength to lead our families in the direction we should go. Give us the authenticity and the honor to serve you without laziness. To serve you, O God, faithfully so that we can see the windows of the heavens open up in such a manner that the whole world might glorify our Father in heaven because of the harvest, the fruit of the goodness of God in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen, 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 and amen.